So that was a clip from the Discovery show called Storm Chasers. Did anybody ever see that show? I guess nobody. <laughs> that was on for five years. I, oh, there's one person who saw it. I actually never watched that show, and I'm kind of glad because I don't think I can handle it. Just a couple of minute clip kind of stresses me out a bit. I, I like a good storm, but when I'm in the house with a cup of coffee, under a blanket, you know, safe away from the storm. But the storms that are featured in that show were not just a thunder and lightning storm. They were these deadly and dangerous tornadoes. And most people in their right mind are running from those tornadoes. You saw the cars that were leaving, but they're running toward it. They wanted to be as close as possible. They searched for them. They chased them. They did whatever they could to be right there in the center of them. Now, even though that show isn't on anymore, there are still many people like this who they look for storms. They chase them. They try to video them and be as near to them as possible. Well, there's another kind of storm, and this storm can't be predicted by the Weather Channel, and this Storm can't be predicted by your weather app on your phone. And, in, and these storms are called the storms of life. And as followers of Jesus, we don't have to go looking for those kinds of storms. We don't have to go chasing after them and figuring out where they are because they have a way of finding us. We are on part two of this series called the storms of life. And what are the storms of life? It's when you and I go through a time of trial and difficulty. Simply put, It's when life gets hard. And contrary to some popular yet extremely flawed teaching, you and I as followers of Christ, we're not promised a trouble-free life. In fact, we are clearly told in Scripture that in this world we will have trouble. And so, so often it seems like either we're going through a storm, we just came out of one, or we're about to go in them. And here's the thing, that if we don't know these storms are coming, when they come, because they will, They will knock us off our feet. Now, here's what Augustine said. This is incredibly powerful. He said, God had one son on earth without sin, but never one without suffering. Each and every one of us are going to go through storms in life. We're going to go through hard times. We're going to go through difficulties. And it's important to know that when we go through those storms, it's not a reflection of our faith. That if our faith was stronger, then maybe we wouldn't be going through such hard times. And it's not a reflection of God's goodness. And it's in no way a reflection of his love for us. So what do some of these storms look like? It's when relationships fall apart. It's when our health or the health of someone we love is uncertain or maybe deteriorating. It's when we don't know how we're going to make it financially. It's when we experience painful disappointments. It's times of uncertainty not knowing what to do next or where we should go. It's losing somebody you love. It's times of deep depression. It's all these things and more. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, we are so glad that you're here and we want you to feel welcome and be able to ask questions. But I'm pretty certain that you know what it's like to go through the storms of life as well. Because I've never met anybody in my life that didn't go through something hard. And what I hope that you see today is that knowing Jesus may not prevent us from going through hard times, but who he is, what he has done for us, and what he has promised makes all the difference as we go through these storms. Last week in part one, Pastor Pavone, my dad, did an incredible job talking about the sovereignty of God, that no matter what's going on in life, when it seems like it's out of our control, it is never out of God's control. He is always sovereignly in control. Well, today we want to talk about God's faithfulness as you and I go through these storms. 
And we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 43. Now, here's why is this, this message is so incredibly important. Because so often when you and I go through storms, when we go through hard times, we could begin to doubt the love and faithfulness of God. You see, all these different questions start to come into our minds like this. God, do you really love me? Because if you loved me, then why would I be going through this? And God, are you angry at me? Is this happening in my life because of sin in my past? And a really big one is this. God, where are you? Because I don't feel you. I don't see you at work in my life. The incredible thing is that all of these questions are answered in the verses that we're going to look at tonight. This chapter that we're going to look at was written to people who were about to go through incredible storms. They were going to about to go through unbelievable time of trial and suffering in our life. And God in his mercy gives them these promises to prepare them before they go through the storm. And God gives us these promises as well to prepare us for our own storm. So let's go to chapter 43, verse 1, and we're going to break this first verse up into three parts. And it says this, but now. You're about to go through some incredible storms, but now. This is what the Lord says. Who created you, Jacob. Who formed you, Israel. Do not fear. God is the one who is speaking in this verse. Isaiah is just the mouthpiece. And what God says is, do not fear. You know what makes the storms of life so difficult? Is often not just the storm itself, but all the emotions and all the internal battles that come with that storm. You know, when we go through storms, a lot of time, the first thing that comes in is discouragement. It's feeling really down. And the other thing that so often we can deal with and face is fear. And fear can be overwhelming. And fear is nothing but a thief, a thief that robs. You know, it robs us of peace. It it robs us of joy. It robs us of hope. But God says to us, not just here, but throughout the word of God, do not fear. But here's what's so important, that as we go through hard times, we don't not fear by trying really hard not to fear. You see, we are able to not fear by knowing truth that calms our fears. Let me give you an example. My daughter Bryn, sometimes when we tuck her in to bed at night, she can get a little fearful about some things. And so I'll be tucking her in, she'll be almost asleep, and she'll open up her eyes and she'll say, Mom, we left the candle burning. And I say, no, baby, I blew it out myself. And then she'll settle back down and start to fall asleep. And then she'll say, Mom, I think we left the back door open. And I'll say, no, honey, Daddy locked every door before he came upstairs. And the point is this. I don't say to her, don't be afraid. I give her all the reasons why she doesn't have to be afraid. And that's what God does for us. He gives us the reasons why you and I can face every storm in this life and not be afraid. So here are the reasons he's going to give them to us. And the first one is this, for I have redeemed you. This right here is the number one reason why you and I don't have to fear, is knowing that we have been redeemed. And to be redeemed means that we have been bought back with a price. Now, partly the reference to being redeemed in this verse is how God rescued the people that he's speaking to when they were in slavery and to remind them of his faithfulness in the past, and that he would keep being faithful no matter what they faced. But beyond that is the reference to what God would do. You see, because the cross was always the plan. 
And in the previous chapter in Isaiah 43, we are given this incredible prophecy about a coming Savior who would open up blind eyes and who would free those in prison and who would rescue those in darkness. And that was all of us at one time. But now we have been redeemed because of what Jesus has done. Not with silver and gold, not with money, but with the blood of Jesus. So why is it so important in preparing people to go through storms that God reminds them that they have been redeemed? Because when the storms hit, it's so easy for you and I to question if they are happening because God is angry with us. And we question our standing in him. Now let me first off clearly say this, that there are times in our walk with God that he will lovingly use difficult circumstances in our life to discipline us and to redirect our steps when we are going off a path that he knows is dangerous for us. But it's always as a loving father to his child. It is never a payment for sin. It can't be because our payment was fully and completely paid for at the cross. You know, if this wasn't enough, just a few verses down in 25, he says this to them, I think to assure them, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. You know, we're the ones that sometimes have a hard time forgetting our own sins, but he remembers our sins no more. And that doesn't mean that God has amnesia. That means that he doesn't hold them over us. He doesn't bring storms and difficult times in our life to punish us. See, in knowing that we have been redeemed, it's knowing that this, that God is now for you and not against you. It's knowing that in every storm and in every trial and in every difficulty in life, it can't be because of sin, because now he's for us. He's with us. He's not against us. And knowing he is for us is one of the truths that calm our fears. But that's not all he gives us. He goes on. Last part of verse 1 says this, I have called you by name, and you are not are mine. Because we have been redeemed, we are now his. We belong to him. And this verse tells us that he knows us personally, and he knows us intimately. This means that he sees your storm. He sees your tears. He sees your heartache. He hears your prayers. He knows everything that is going on, and he has not for one moment forgotten about you. You know, I think that sometimes our view is that God just puts up with us because he has to. But he's the one who redeemed us, knowing fully our brokenness. And he's the one who went at great lengths to make us his own because what did it cost him? For you and I to be able to call his own, it cost him everything. It cost him his life. It cost him suffering that we can never understand. The great demonstration of his love for us is the cross. Now let me just say this to you, and please hear me when I say this, that no storm or no hardship that you ever go through in this life is an indication of God's love. The cross alone is. Maybe you're going through a storm. Maybe you're going to go through a storm. But if you know Jesus, if he is your savior, then you have been redeemed, meaning he is for you. And you are now his own. Now here comes a promise to those who are his. He keeps giving us more and more truth that calms our fears. 
verse 2 says this, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Waters in scripture is a metaphor for troubles or difficulties. And in those troubles, here's the incredible promise. He says, I will be with you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to leave you alone. You and I are never left to face trial and difficulties and storms by ourselves. See, even if all of circumstances in life make us believe that God has forgotten and abandoned and left us, this is the promise that tells us otherwise. This is the verse that answers the question, where is God when I'm going through difficulties? The answer is, he is right there with us. I've never been a big fan of water, especially water that comes in the form of large waves. And I married somebody who actually loves water, so this has been a huge problem for me. Um, He also has a very convincing way about him that he gets me to do things that I don't really want to do. On our honeymoon, he convinced me to go uh, jet skiing. And we go to the beach, and the waves were super choppy. Um, To quote George Costanza, um, the sea was angry that day, like an old man trying to return soup at the deli. So out into those angry waves we went, and I closed my eyes and held on for dear life, and I was slightly terrified until I saw these dark clouds overhead, um, and I heard thunder, and then I was extremely terrified. And then I saw lightning, and I thought I was going to die. And now these men on the side of the beach are frantically waving Doug down to come in, but he just completely ignores them because he he thinks it's the coolest thing to be riding in a thunderstorm with a screaming wife on the back of a jet ski. (laughs) About a year later, I don't know how, but my charming husband convinced me to go whitewater rafting in level five rapids in Colorado. Now, I don't know if you've ever been whitewater rafting, um, but this guide kind of gives you these instructions. And this is what he said to us. He said, when you fall in. And I said, what? <laughs> I said, what do you mean when? And he said, well, well, here's the thing. In the middle of the boat, there's these red tubes. He said, you could stick your foot underneath it, and that will kind of help you from being tossed into the waves when you hit them. And I promise you, I'm not lying, I got my leg in there up to my knee. I was like this, whitewater rafting. I bent my leg in ways that are not humanly possible, all of fear of not falling in. Now, I have other water stories, and I'm going to spare you, but they're all surrounded by him. Um, But I remember one time in my life of being in the water, of being in the waves and not being afraid. You see, when I was a little kid, my dad used to take us to the beach. He would take us to Robert Moses. And there are some huge waves there. But I remember not being one bit scared. Why? Well, because my dad never sent me into those waves by myself. He always went in them with me. And he stood with me. And he held on to my hand. And no matter how big those waves seemed to me, no matter how strong they were, my dad held me tightly And even if a wave knocked me down for a minute, he pulled me right back up. And I believe that's what God is saying to us in this verse. That whatever storm you are facing now or will ever face throughout your life, he takes hold of you and doesn't let you go. You know, you may be thinking, I don't have the strength to go through this storm. No, you don't. And that's actually a really good place to be. Because then we look to him. And we don't have to face them on our own because he comes alongside of us to strengthen us. He is with us. He is faithful to be with us in every storm. 
This silences every lie that tries to tell you that he has forgotten about you, that you're going through a hard time because God doesn't see you or know what's going on in your life. No, he is right there with you. Next part of verse 2 says this, And through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. Now, rivers here doesn't imply a nice, placid stream gently rolling by. It can be translated a continuous, raging danger. And that word continuous really stuck out to me. You know, sometimes what's so hard is not just the storm itself, it's not just the emotions that come with it, but it's also the duration of the storm. When it seems like it's never ending, when it just keeps going on and on. You know, if you think about water for a minute, you can go and swim and stand and brave the waves for a few minutes, but after wave after wave after wave crashes over you, it's then that we grow exhausted, and that's how life can feel sometimes. Just one storm after another without a break. You know, so often in the Psalms, we see this question directed to God, and the question is, how long? You know, maybe that's what you're thinking today. How long? How long am I going to be in this storm? How long is this going to last? But because he is with us, we've been given this promise that they will not overwhelm us. I love another translation of this part that says, they will not sweep us away. Now, when my dad was with me in the waves, it didn't prevent the waves from crashing over me, but it did prevent them from sweeping me away. See, I'm here to tell you tonight that whatever storm you are facing, God has his grip on you, and he's not letting go. If that wasn't enough, he continues to encourage us with more truth, and it's this. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. Fire is another metaphor for trials or troubles, but it's even a more intense kind of trial than the water. And it's like God is saying to us, even in the most painful of trials, Even in the most extreme trials, I will be with you. And him being with us prevents those trials from consuming us. Another word is destroy us. Well, what does that mean, that they don't destroy us? You know, I think a greater threat when we go through trials and we go through hard times, greater threat than our physical bodies is our faith. And I think that that's what he's saying. That is, your faith won't be destroyed as you go through these trials. Don't we all know somebody that walked away from God when life got hard? When they started believing some of those lies that he doesn't really love them and he's not really with them. But when we know and we are assured that Jesus stands with us in the fire, those fires, instead of consuming us, they refine us. And we are able to come out with an even stronger faith. Storms are going to come for all of us but we are enabled to go through them in knowing that Jesus is with us. John Macduff said this. He said, Jesus will be in all these trials and prove sufficient for them all. We shall hear in the midst of the great fight of afflictions the sound of our master's footsteps. He himself has passed through these flames, braved these floods, and bowed his guiltless head to these storms. He comes to us as he did to his disciples in the very midst of the tempest and says, fear not. It is I. Be not afraid. You know what I love about that quote is that it tells us that there isn't a storm that we will ever face in this life that Jesus first didn't face. He knows what it's like to experience rejection and betrayal and false accusation. He knows what it's like to stand at the grave of somebody he loved and weep. He knows pain 
He knows suffering. And he knew all those things for us. So that he can give us this promise that says that in every storm we will ever face, we will never be alone because he is with us. And so my question is, are you in a storm right now? Well, here's the truth that calms all your fears. He is with you right there in the center of your storm. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It doesn't mean he's angry at you. But then now the question is this. What is he with us to do? You know, if his promise is that he's with us, is that just the comfort, is knowing that somebody is with us? And the answer to that is no. He is with us to do so much more than that. So what is he with us to do? I'm going to give us three things he's with us to do, and then we're going to talk about each one really quickly. He's with us to sustain, he's with us to redeem, and he's with us to rescue. Let's take the first one, sustain. What does it mean that God is with us to sustain us? I read the other day about a wheelchair race, and during this wheelchair race, one of the racers had a tire blowout, and instead of dropping out of the race, he continued to go on the rim of his wheel until he got about five blocks from the finish line when the rim completely bent and he fell over, and the chair fell over, and he was unable to keep going. But the people from the sidelines ran to him. They together lifted up his wheelchair, and they had him finish the race by carrying him to the finish line. He couldn't do it on his own. He, he couldn't go another foot, and when he couldn't, he was carried. And that's what it looks like to be sustained. That you and I can't face these storms on our own, but God comes alongside of us in the midst of them to carry us, to pick us up, keep us together, and get us safely to the finish line. No matter matter how big the storms are, no matter how long they seem to be lasting for you, he is with you to sustain you and carry you to the end. Next, he's with us to redeem. He is with us to redeem every storm. God is at work to take what would otherwise have been wasted time and wasted pain and do what only he can do by bringing good out of them. This is the promise of Romans 8, 28. Whatever it is that you are facing, God has promised to bring good out of difficulty, to bring joy out of sorrow. And maybe you're thinking, I can't see how that's possible, but he's promised he will do it. You know, I, I was thinking the other day, if I could change anything about my life, just one thing, would I change that I have struggled with chronic illness for the last seven years? And I, I probably thought about it less than a minute, and my answer was no. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't want God to heal me, and I don't daily pray and seek and hope and believe that he will. And that doesn't mean that this time in my life hasn't been easy but it means that I can look back on these last seven years and see the way that God has worked to redeem this time in my life. You know, sickness in itself is not good. Let me be clear about that. But what God has done in my life in the midst of it is I've experienced the nearness of my Savior more than any other time in my life. I have become aware of my inadequacies and my weakness and my great need for him more than any other time. During this time, the gospel has become more precious to me, and Jesus has become more beautiful. And I can say with all my heart that he's proved himself 
to be faithful. Because that's what our God does. That's the kind of Savior that he has. He takes what is painful and otherwise wasted, and he redeems them. And that's what God has promised to do in your life. His being with you through the storm and all that you face is to redeem all of it, no matter how difficult, no matter how painful, for your good. You know, if all our storms do is cause us to cling to Jesus and look to him like never before, then that in itself would make them worth it. But he is always doing many, many more things through them. You know, if it's hard for you to wrap your mind around how God could bring good out of pain and and even out of evil, just look at the cross. You know, what looked like the greatest tragedy was in fact the greatest victory. You know what's so incredible is that the redeeming Savior that we have, he takes even the storms that we cause ourselves. You know, last week, Pastor Paul talked about that some of the storms we cause ourselves, whether it's because of sin or it's because of some bad decisions, and he even redeems those. There isn't anything that he doesn't move at work in the, child, in the, in the, in the life of the child of God to redeem. And maybe, just maybe, what has been the most painful and difficult time in your life, you will one day look back and praise him for the, all the good that he has brought out of it. So he sustains and he redeems, but he also rescues. In our women's prayer meeting, we print out a list that we put on the table and, and we pray together. And it's all the things that you all have written on the back of your connection card or emailed us or asked us to be praying about. And as I'm getting this list ready, so often I can't help but sit there in tears because so many of you are going through some really painful, difficult things. And it's that time that we need to take our eyes off of that list, which seems overwhelming, or off of the storm, which seems overwhelming, and put them on our mighty God. Now, we intentionally start out every prayer time like this, God, there isn't anything too hard for you. We know that there isn't anything you can't do. We know that in all things you are able. And these aren't just things that we pray in theory or we hope to be true. We know they're true because we've seen them to be true. I'm going to just tell you some of the things that we've seen God do in the last few years in this church. We've seen him put marriages back together. We've seen him heal bodies that doctors said couldn't be. We've seen babies born to women who struggled with miscarriages and infertility and were told they probably wouldn't have children. We've seen him save people who were at one time so hard towards God but are now so in love with Jesus. We've seen him free people from addictions, provide people with money to pay their mortgage when they didn't know how they were going to be able to do that. We've seen him comfort those who experience deep loss and many, many more things. Now, I don't know what your storm is, but I know that we have a mighty God who is able to step right into the center of your storm and with one word bring peace and bring calm. And if he doesn't rescue in the timing that we had hoped or even in the way that we had hoped, we know that we can trust his sovereign care because he loves us and the demonstration of that love is the cross. In every storm, In every trial, he is with us. He is with us to sustain, to redeem, and to rescue. 
What we walk away with tonight from these verses is this. He is faithful to be with us through every storm. From beginning to end, he is with us. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I just want to speak to you for a minute as we get ready to close. The greatest need that we can have is not financial or relational or health problems. The greatest need that we had was our lostness. That we all have had sin that separate us from God. And there was nothing that we could do to work our way to him. But the gospel is that Jesus came on a rescue mission for us. He came and lived a sinless, perfect life that we couldn't. And he died the death that we deserve so that you and I can know him, so that we can be called his own. You know, all the promises that we talked about today, they are promises for those who are his. And we become his not by striving and not by trying to be good enough, but by believing that what was done at the cross was done for you personally. You know, there isn't a magic prayer that if you say it just right, you're saved. But often it starts with prayer. It's looking to Jesus. It's confessing our great need for him. It's confessing our sinfulness and saying, we need, I need you. I need you to come into my life and change me from the inside out. And when we do that, he doesn't just forgive us of our sins, although that would have been enough. He does all that we talked about in this message tonight. He comes alongside of us to walk through life with us, to help us, to uphold us, to be with us. And one day, the best part is bring us to be with him forever. See, a day is coming that every single storm will cease. No more pain, no more crying, no more trouble, no more struggle, no more any of these things. But until that day, he is faithful to be with us. Let's pray. God, we praise you tonight for your word that brings encouragement and hope and life. And I pray, God, that you would do that for each of us in this room, that you would bring encouragement. I pray, God, that your word would silence some of the lies that we tend to believe that God has forgotten about us or he's angry at us or he has just abandoned us. Thank you for the truth that you are always with us, God. We pray, Lord God, in all of life that we will constantly have that remembrance that because we are redeemed, you are for us and not against us. And we know that that promise comes to undeserving people. And so we praise you for that grace. We praise you for the cross today. And we just say that we love you and worship you. In the name of Jesus, amen.